you have your Bible this morning, open it towards the end of the Old Testament to the book of Haggai. To the book of Haggai. Where we'll be looking in God's Word in chapter 1 this morning, the book of Haggai. If you find your way there, just follow along with me as I read chapter 1. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says, The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. And the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while, the house, while this house lies desolate? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, all the labor, labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shetil, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God. In the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai the messenger of the Lord spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Jehozadak, of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Beloved, as I opened up last Sunday with you, in introducing this book of Haggai, I share with you that the thrust of this book is about revival. The need for the people of God at this time to be revived in their commitment to the Lord and their commitment to the work of the Lord. And as I thought about that, I thought about even for us today, how sometimes even as true believers, we can get off track in our walk with the Lord. Sometimes a person can be on fire for the Lord, excited about the things of God, Involved faithfully, involved sacrificially in the ministry 
of the Lord. And yet something comes along in their life. And that something begins to pull them away from their commitment. Maybe sometimes it's something that happens in the church that brings disappointment to a person. So they step back from their serving and being involved into the things of the Lord as they once were. Maybe sometimes it's a combination of those things whereby someone gets disappointed or discouraged and they step back from, the, from their service and the things of the Lord and as they step back and as time goes by, the things of the world, some, some of their own interests begin to pull at them more and more to such an extent that there's very little time now that they have for the work in the ministry of the Lord. And beloved, when that happens to someone, as we will see here with the people of God here in Haggai's day, it will show itself in the priorities and the pursuits of the person. That is, what you're passionate about, you will pursue. What you're passionate about, you will prioritize in your life. And it will show in how you invest your time. It will show in how you invest your energy. It will show in how you invest your resources. It will show in how you commit. It will show in your commitments. This is what God is going to be showing the people here in the book of Haggai. And my point and my focus for us this morning as God's people is this. is that I want us to evaluate our passions, by evaluating our priorities, our pursuits right now that are going on in our life or that have been going on in our life, maybe for some time now. And if you see that you have gotten off course, if you see that you truly are needing a, a revival in your heart for the Lord and the things of the Lord and the will of God and the, the work of the Lord and the ministry of the Lord, but I want you to respond, and my prayer for you is to respond with repentance, to get back on track, then to re-engage, re-engage in the work of the Lord, in the ministry of the Lord, which obviously is going to call for us to rearrange our priorities, rearrange our pursuits, our passions, that they are in the order that the Lord would have us to have them. Ultimately, what I would be asking you to do is this, to fulfill what Jesus says over in the Gospels. Jesus summed it up like this, seek first the kingdom of God. And then he says, and all these things will be added to you. That is, the things that you will need in life will be added to you, but he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Which means, seek me first, Jesus says. Seek my will first. Seek worship of me first. Seek the work of the Lord first. Seek the kingdom of God first. And as we do it, I want to remind you what should be the driving Motivation behind all of it. Look over in verse 8 of chapter 1 here in Haggai that we just read. It's in the last part of verse 8 where he says that I may be pleased. 
that I may be pleased with it and be glorified. You see, we seek first the kingdom of God or we seek to have our priorities and our passions and our pursuits in the way that God would want them because what we're really wanting is to glorify God. We are wanting to please Him. So as you evaluate your life, you need to ask yourself, as I look at my life, Am I living and pursuing the things in such a way that I know this is pleasing to God? This glorifies God in the way I have prioritized my life and my commitments. So let's look at this chapter together this morning. And the first thing that Haggai the prophet is going to need to do is expose the priorities in the pursuits of the people. He exposes the priorities and the pursuits of the people. He does this in verses 2 through 4 and in verse 9. In verses 2 through 4 and in verse 9, he exposes their priorities in verses 2 through 4, and then he exposes their pursuits in verse 9. Now, I want you to notice something here. Go back to verse 1. Because I want you to see the setting in which this word of the Lord is delivered to the people. And notice it says it's on the first day. And that is a significant marker for us. Because that means this is a day when all the people would gather together, together for worship. And so remember the setting here. The people have been back in Jerusalem for 18 years. For the first two years, remember, they were excited. They were experiencing revival in their commitment to the Lord. The people first built an altar there to offer sacrifices for worship. Then they laid the foundation for the temple. But that's as far as they got. And now, 16 years later, they're gathering together for one of these special worship events on the first day of a month. And as they're gathering together there, Haggai the prophet speaks forth a prophetic word to them. It seems to be this is the first recorded prophetic word to the people in the 16 years. So here they are. They're all gathered together to worship God. And Haggai the prophet speaks the word of the Lord to them, wanting out of love for them to expose their priorities, to expose their pursuits. He wanted them to see that they had become consumed with their own interest and not with the interest of God. Really what the people were saying is this, I am first about pleasing myself. My life is first about pleasing me. Because you notice now, go back to our text in chapter 1. The people knew that they still had the responsibility to rebuild the temple. 
Because notice what he says there in verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says the time has not yet come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Which means when you think about that statement that the Lord gives to Haggai is that the people knew they had the responsibility still to rebuild the temple, and yet they apparently had talked about it, and they had come to a consensus. And the consensus was among the people led by Zerubbabel and Joshua is that this is not the time. And apparently they've been saying that now for 16 years. For 16 years they gather on these days to worship and time and time again that they know they should be rebuilding the temple. They keep gathering and say, well, it's not time. It's just not time to do it. It's just not time to pick this task back up. The timing isn't right. That is, we just don't have the time. We just don't have the resources to do this right now. Again, just think about the picture of that. For 16 years, they've been doing this. That would be similar to us today in some sense of, of um, wanting to, let's say, build a church. And we come and, and we, we put up a cross and we lay the foundation for the building. And then for 16 years, we all drive up here every Sunday in our cars and we come into and we come and we all meet on top of the pavement. And then we get back in our nice cars and we drive back to our nice houses and we go back there and for 16 years we keep saying, we, we just don't have time or the resources to finish this building. And that's really what we're saying to the Lord. And notice the words that God uses, verse 2. These words, these two words had to be probably the most convicting, piercing words that the prophet Haggai delivered when he said there, this people. God was saying, not my people, this people. You know, we talk about the verse where if my people will humble themselves and pray. But notice God is saying, this people. He, he's saying that to, to let them know, I am not pleased with you. I am not pleased with, with the priorities and the pursuits of your life right now. So he wants them to feel that. So again, just imagine... And just imagine now, they're there. And let's say they're, they're, they're sitting on the foundation. And they have the altar there. And there's no walls. There's nothing else that's been there. And this has been like this for 16 years. And then Haggai stands up and says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says the time has not yet come. Even time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? And they can look around them and see just how bare things were and know where they had come from. You see, when the people got there to the city, 
rightfully so, they began to establish their lives in the city. The city of Jerusalem needed to be rebuilt. Their homes needed to be built. Uh, their, their businesses needed to be built. I mean, things needed to happen, but also, first and foremost, the things of God and their worship of God needed to be established as well. And yet, that was the one thing, though they started well, they stopped. And they never picked it back up. It was a matter of their priorities. This is what he's saying. You know, he's saying, okay, so we're telling God in verse 4, it's not time for his house to be rebuilt, but yet we have found the time and we have found the resources for our own houses. And he says, our paneled houses. That is, we've made sure that we have the walls and the roof for our house. But for God's house, we just haven't found the time or the resources to do that. It was a matter of the heart. It was a matter of the priorities for the people. But not just their priorities that God wanted to expose. He wanted to expose their pursuits. Look over in verse 9 for a moment. Go over to verse 9. Where he says there, at the very end of verse 9, he says, Because of my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. That idea of running there is the idea of pursuing. And I don't think that, that Haggai just means running to their actual physical, structural house. I think he's there speaking not just about that, but also just speaking about their household, that is their family and their family affairs. He's saying each of you has made sure that you are faithfully pursuing after your own family affairs. You have made sure about all of those things. And yet, when it comes to my interest, God says, you've had no time for that. You pursued your family and financial affairs and you've been all that's involved in the running of your household You've done that with diligence. And yet, as far as pursuing the work and the ministry of the Lord, you just didn't seem to find the time. It's as if they came to give God what was left over after all their time and resources and energy were spent on their own personal interests. And basically, they had very little to nothing left over for God. The Lord has delivered this message to them. But let me just stop here for a moment and just ask us, what about us? What about you? What about me? What do my priorities and pursuits say about my life? What do your priorities and pursuits say about your life?
first and foremost, again, it starts with you knowing Christ. You're pursuing your own need for salvation through Christ and in Christ alone. But as you have done that, where is your heart? Where is your passion? Where are your pursuits? And as the Lord is exposing them to this, what Haggai does next is then exhort the people. And he exhorts them to do two things. And it's really the two commands that are in these these verses in chapter 1. He exhorts them to reflect on their ways and then he exhorts them to re-engage in the work. They needed to reflect on their own ways. And he does this twice, twice. Look there in verse 5. Now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, that is, after I have shared with you exposing your priorities, exposing your pursuits, exposing your excuses, he says, now therefore here's what I want you to do. I'm exhorting you to consider your ways. And he does that again. Notice over in verse 7, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. That is, reflect on your ways. Reflect on your life. To consider your ways is to stop, intentionally set your heart, your thoughts, as he says here, on your ways. That is, on on priorities of your life, the pursuits of your life, stop, and not only that, reflect on what you are actually accomplishing. Here's why he he wanted them to do that. In verse 6, he said, you have sown much, but you harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not even enough to be Come drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Then down in verse 9, he says, You look much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. He says, goes on to say there in verse 10, Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. I call for a drought on the land mountain, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, on all the labor of your hands. What is God wanting them to do? When Haggai is delivering God's message, consider your ways, he's saying reflect on what it is that you've actually accomplished, reflect on what's going on in your life, and what you will see is, is I've been trying to get your attention all these years because I've been chastening you, I've been disciplining you throughout the whole time trying to get you to repent. You think about the description of those things there in verse 6 and in verse 9 and 10 and 11. Just think about this. Over in the book of Leviticus, in Leviticus chapter 26, here's what God had told the people. In verse 18, If also after these things you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will also break down your pride of power. I will also make your sky like iron and your earth like bronze. Your strength will be spent uselessly for your land will not yield its produce and the trees of the land will not yield their fruit. Over in the book of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, 
28 and verses 38 to 40, there he speaks about the seed in their vineyards, in their olive trees, and in their olive plants. And he says, you're going to be investing in all these things and it's going to come to nothing. So whenever Haggai says, consider your ways that you have been investing in all these things that you've been trying to do, you've been putting all your interest before me and the whole time you've been doing that, you bring it back and I just blow it away. Like you're getting nowhere. You keep trying to go your own way, your own direction, but as you do, your God has been chastening you about this and you should have recognized that. Because he had warned you about that. Then in light of God's word, they should have evaluated their ways and seen that what they were doing was not pleasing to God. And that God had been trying to get their attention. And so, after 16 years, he gets their attention directly. That is, he raises up the prophet Haggai. And of course, just so you know, there's another contemporary prophet at the same time of Haggai. His name is Zechariah. But he raises up Haggai to come speak directly to the people. Like the Lord, the Lord has been, uh, he's been, if you want to say, speaking to them. He's been addressing them by chastening them all these years. And they have not heeded it. So he raises up the prophet to come and say directly to them, you have your priorities out of sync with me. Your pursuits are not honoring me. Live your life now to please me and to glorify me. And so this is what he encourages them to do. And this is what we must do. Do you ever sometimes, do you ever just stop and just reflect? Think about your life. Just think about the things that are going on. Do you ever just stop and think, okay, how are my, my life, how are my commitments, how are my priorities, how are my pursuits lining up with God? How are they lining up with God's kingdom, what God is wanting? God's ways. But once he had exhorted them to evaluate their ways, that is, reflect on their ways, the other thing he does for them is he exhorts them to re-engage in the work. That is, don't just feel sorrow about it. Don't just confess it. Repent and re-engage in the work. This is what he does for them in verse 8. Go back to verse 8. He says, after you considered your ways in verse 7, now go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple. Start back on the project. Engage in the work of the Lord. Seek Him first. Seek the kingdom of God first. He was saying, you've got to now rearrange your priorities, rearrange your pursuits, 
and now invest your life. It's going to take time. It's going to take energy. It's going to take your resources. It may take your finances. It's going to take these things for you now to re-engage in the work that I brought you here to do. To re-engage. And beloved, for us, it will take a rearrangement and a re-engaging as well. And again, what should be motivating us? The end of verse 8. Go up, bring wood, rebuild the temple. Here's why. That I may be pleased with it. That I'm glorified by it. It's, it's, it is about God. And rightfully so. Just as the discipline has been about God, God it says, I brought sprouts on you. I made the sky become like iron. I made the land be useless to you. Because I want you to do what I want you to do. I want you to please me. I want you to glorify me. See, again, that's the difference for, between us and God. If we did that, that would be wrong, but not for God, because God is God. And all of our life is to be about God. Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we're doing it what? For the glory of God. But what had to happen for them, and this is why Haggai comes at them this way, is it, it had to start in the heart of the people. Their hearts had to be adjusted. Their heart had to be pierced with the Word of God here. Because it goes from their heart to their hands, to rebuilding the temple. It goes from their desires to their deeds, to actually going up the mountain, getting the wood, bringing it back down, and beginning to rebuild the temple. Love, that's why God, as I say, He wants your heart. He wants your heart. Now we see the people there in verse 12 respond in obedience. From the leadership to the remnant of the people, they would come back. They obeyed there in verse 12, the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. It started with the leadership, but it included all the people. They responded. And then we see as we move on down that about 21 days later, they begin the rebuilding of the temple as we read there in verse 14 and in verse 15 that they came and worked on the house of the Lord of their hosts on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. It's not because they were contemplating whether or not they were going to obey the voice of the Lord. No, when they heard what Haggai had to say, they responded in their heart with obedience and reverence to God. And then to get prepared and do all that they would need to do, then they came. Back in the 21 days later, they began the work now of rebuilding the temple. Now, beloved, as you set out 
to rearrange maybe some things in your life. Maybe as you stop this morning or even later on today or throughout this week, if you stop and you begin to evaluate your life and evaluate your commitments and evaluate your priorities and your pursuits, and you realize that they do not reflect the glory of God, they do not reflect the priorities of God, they do not reflect the pursuits of God, and my ways do not reflect well on God. You need to repent. You need to rearrange. And you need to then re-engage in what it is that God would want you to do. But as you do that, you're still going to need two other things from God. You're going to need two things from God for this to happen. You're going to need encouragement from God and you're going to need the actual enablement from God. The encouragement God gives to the people there in verse 13. Verse 12, we're told they obey the voice of the Lord. And in verse 13, then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. That is, you're not in this alone. I'm not asking you to go do this in your own strength. In fact, they're going to face discouragement. They're going to face difficulties. We're going to see that going back again to the book of Ezra. Where we see when they start to rebuild again, there's another group that shows up and starts asking questions. What are y'all doing? Who gave you permission? Who gave you the authority to rebuild this temple? But what God is telling them is, look, I'm with you. And again, this is not a new message for the people of God. This is really just a repeating of God's word and God's promises that he gave to the people even whenever he had Moses going to lead them out of Egypt. Whenever God spoke to Moses, he told them, told Moses, tell the people that as you go out, I will dwell among you. I will be with you. You look over the book of Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9 where God is calling on the people and they're preparing to enter into the promised land. He says, be strong. Be courageous. Don't be dismayed. Don't be fearful. For the Lord our God is with you wherever you go. I'm with you. So God is encouraging them here as they begin this work of rebuilding the temple. Remember, I'm with you. Beloved, I remember, and it makes me hearken over to the words of Jesus in the Great Commission. We tell them to go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded. And all I am with you. The Lord is with you. Thus, as you set your heart to make things right in your life. Look, this was going to be risky for the people. For them to start back again, it, it has some risk to it. But God is saying, obey me, follow my will, follow my word. I am with you. The Lord wanted to encourage the people. But he did more than encourage them. He enabled them. Look again in verse 14. 
So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Beloved, this was something the people needed. They were going to need the Spirit of God to enable them to do this work. That, even, that is, even had the desire to submit and to actually do the work that God had called them to do. You see, it takes the work of the Spirit in conjunction with the Scriptures to bring about this kind of submission and reverence of the people. And why this is so important to highlight this is because if you, if you go through the Old Testament and you read where God raised up prophets to speak to his people, that the majority of time the people hardened their heart towards God. They hardened their hearts towards the prophet. They didn't really want to hear God had to say. What you have here is even is something that is somewhat rare with the people. And may I just say this to you. May that not happen to you. May you not respond to what you have heard this morning with indifference just by ignoring what you've heard or even with indignation. Instead, I pray and hope that you will respond as the people of God did in this day with reverent obedience. That by God's Spirit, He will change your passions, change your priorities, change your pursuits. And again, God wasn't telling the people you had to give up all of your personal pursuits and the things that were going on. That's not what he was saying to them. He was just saying, look, re-engage in the work that I sent you here to do. And a part of that was the rebuilding of the city and the rebuilding of their lives there, but not at the exclusion of their worship of him. Remember, the, the nation of Israel at this time is supposed to be a, a nation and a people there that are alike to the other peoples of the world. The people are supposed to look in over them, at them, and see them and how they're living their life and their worship of God and their trust in Him and to say there's something different about them. And what they would look and see at this time before this happened was is that the people there of Jerusalem, this remnant that went back, well, they're really no different than everybody else in the world. They live pretty much like everybody else. They're pursuing after their own things. They're going hard after these things. Because we look over there at their temple and we look at their worship and it's pretty... Weak. They're really not much different than us. 
And this is why God was saying you have to re-engage. And beloved, may that be true of you. That you want your priorities, your pursuits to be first and foremost about God, His kingdom, His work, His will. And as you do it, do it in the way that we see the people of God did it here in the days of Haggai. Have a reverence for God. It's out of a reverence for God, not man. A reverence for Him. I want to ask you to bow your heads.